This is mission.org. This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. As a marketer, I always think about the client experience, right? So if you think about the patient or the consumer experience with healthcare, we've all had our own experiences in our doctor's offices or going to a specialist and they're not talking to each other because the data can't be shared. So there's a lot of opportunity, I think, in terms of how pharma and healthcare really are right for digital transformation. As the healthcare industry continues its transition into the digital age, how are marketing leaders in the field actually keeping up? Today, I'm pleased to welcome Andrew Greenwood, the Senior Director of Communications and Marketing at the healthcare management consulting and tech firm, ZS. A Navy veteran and an accomplished player in the B2B space, Andrew's resume boasts marketing and comms experience with companies like Hewlett Packard and DXC Technology. On today's episode, Andrew discusses the unique challenges he faces as a marketing leader in healthcare and why the industry's digital transformation is beneficial for both patients and payers alike. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Andrew, for our audience, would you describe the company and then what you do there? Great to be here with you today, Jeremy. Uh, Yeah, ZS, not a household name. In fact, when I was recruited into ZS, I had to do a little bit of research myself. We're a private consulting firm. We're not publicly traded and whatnot. So we're always, you know, private companies always in some ways a little bit under the radar. But we've been around 40 years, right? I mean, it's a 40-year-old company uh, headquartered in uh, Evanston, uh, which is just outside Chicago. And we're a management and technology consulting firm. Our mission is really to transform global health. So we're leveraging the power of data and science because that's really our DNA. We're, we're sort of built from data up. We're a data consultancy, really helping our clients impact global healthcare. Uh, and the majority of our clients, the majority of the work that we do is within health science, uh, within life sciences, particularly in the pharmaceutical sector. And my role is I look after the enterprise marketing and communications team. So I'm chief marketing and communications officer for ZS. And I've been here a little over three years, almost three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I had not known of ZS before as well. And then you start to do some research and, and I find, wow, not only is this a very interesting brand, I mean, we're talking 
the tune of what over 14,000 employees, I think, are on, at least on LinkedIn, a very big global company, lots of reach. And so there's a lot of experience and perspective that you have in the, in the landscape that you're in. So it's really interesting. How would you describe ZS as a brand and kind of how you've seen it, the identity evolve over the years? I mean, you're there almost four years now, but what have you noticed in, as for ZS when it first came to play 40 years ago and where you're at now? You know, when I think of ZS, um, and there's probably a couple ways to answer this, Jeremy. So I'll, I'll start off by saying, you know, the essence of our brand or who we are is that in the way the company was built probably plays into this. It was built by two professors at Northwestern University, Andy and Prava. And they were the founders of ZS and Andy has retired, but Prava is still active. So 40 years ago, uh, a couple of Northwestern professors, I wouldn't say it was on their nights and weekends, but they, the, a lot of the ways why I explain it is they solved the math problem. You know, 40 years ago, they leveraged the power of client service architecture, right? Well, that, this is 40 years ago when computing power came to be more accessible. And they essentially developed an algorithm that helped clients deploy their field sales forces and optimize. So it was really all about sales strategy. The way Andy and Prabha started the firm was, was all about serving our clients. Let's have a very client service mindset. Uh, now, a lot of companies, consulting, non-consulting companies, non-tech companies talk about that client service mindset. But I think the way Andy and Prabha sort of instilled it in our, to our DNA was that we're here to serve our clients. We don't have sales teams. We don't have account teams. We have client service teams. And one of the things that I think differentiates us is how we work side by side with our clients. You know, we don't parachute in for the sort of the high level, C-level discussions and whiteboard sessions and then sort of pack up and leave and, and hope for the best. We're there to actually operationalize the strategy. And so we're, we're there from beginning to end. Knock on wood, for 40 years, our clients have really sort of enjoyed that. So that's sort of the essence of, of who we are, where we're somewhat humble we're quietly proud. We don't beat our chests. In some ways, that's translated into our brand as well, right? I mean, when I got here over three years ago, there for a 40-year-old company, there wasn't really, I guess, a lot of energy put into, I guess, what you could call brand management or brand strategy and whatnot, right? And so, so we've done a lot of work over the past three years since I've been here to kind of think about how we talk about the brand, cater to the brand, manage the brand. But it was a bit of an eye-opener for me when I got here. You know, it's almost like someone, someone told me when I got here that even the term brand, um, because it could be viewed as corporate speak, doesn't resonate here at CS. So sort of steer away from even talking about brand. Anyways, ah. that's sort of how I think about who we are and sort of where we're going. And you're, you're serving a really interesting, you know, market in the healthcare industry, right? And what is it, the current digital landscape looking like and, and what are some of the things you're noticing there? You know, one of the things that also attracted me to ZS was uh, I, I always found the healthcare industry in that market really interesting. There's a lot of players. The government is involved, private sector, big firms like your Googles and Amazon, small niche players. And we, we really are sort of a bit of a niche player when we started 40 years ago. And, and of course, we've sort of grown up a little bit. But I always thought it was really interesting. I mean, there's some real challenges with healthcare and some headwinds. You know, most of our client and customer base still today is the pharmaceutical sector, which are really the, the manufacturers of the of the medicines and the drugs and the 
critical part of, of the healthcare ecosystem. But in addition to the manufacturers, i.e., you know, the pharmaceutical firms, we've got the health plans, right? The Optums of the world, the Blue Cross, Blue Shields, the insurers, right? And then we've got the health provider networks, which back in the day were sort of individual doctors uh, managing their own practice. Now there are doctor networks and, and hospital networks and, and, and all of that. So it's much more complicated. And so, you know, to answer your question, it's a very difficult landscape. As a marketer, I always think about sort of the client experience, right? So if you think about sort of the patient or the consumer experience with healthcare, I mean, you know, we, we've all had our own experiences in our doctor's offices or going to a specialist and they're not talking to each other because the data can't be shared. You walk in, maybe you're traveling and you walk into a hospital and in a town where you've never been before and you're like a net new person to everyone, right? And why is that? You know, part of that, partly that is because there are certain sort of regulatory issues about how data can be shared. And there's not perhaps uh, a platform yet where pharma, health plans, and providers are all sort of working together for the benefit of the consumer slash patient. We're getting there, uh, but there's definitely some challenges. So there's a lot of opportunity, I think, in terms of how, and I know digital transformation is sort of a tired term, right? But pharma and healthcare really are right for digital transformation. I agree. I mean, I interviewed uh, an executive from Cognizant a few months back as well, and they were supporting a lot of the healthcare industry. It's interesting to see still this, you know, healthcare being notorious for just slow to adopt technology. And that vein, I mean, how is ZS helping healthcare customers not just kind of step into a digital world, but lead it? Yeah, lots of examples, right? I'll sort of pick one that, that maybe will bring it to life. And I know everyone, including myself, is not an expert on healthcare. Uh, I probably know enough to be dangerous at this point, right? But, you know, one of the things that we've been doing most recently, oh, maybe five or six years ago, we started really building this practice in earnest, was that traditionally ZS is focused on the commercial side of pharma. And what does that mean? That means, you know, how are drugs taken to market? Um, how do you work with the health providers and the provider networks to get them to understand what the medicine or, or medication is, when to apply it? how to measure it, all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's all of the sort of this. So there's all about pipeline and launch strategy. What's, what is the drug pipeline? How do you monetize that, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other significant side of pharma is the R&D side of pharma. And keep in mind, it takes billions of dollars in investment to bring a drug successfully to market, right? From drug discovery to clinical trials, et cetera, et cetera. And so one of the things that we're doing from a digital perspective is we're helping our clients, our, our pharmaceutical manufacturing clients, harness the power of data that might come from a lot of different sources, right? And so some of that data could be from devices, people's Fitbits, or it could be other, you know, other types of smartwatches. It could be medical devices that have been implanted in them, right? Uh, whether it's monitoring devices or whatnot from a medical device company. It could be something that their doctor prescribed for them in terms of how they're monitoring their medication and whatnot. And so we're taking, we're trying to take all of these data points in terms of how the patient slash consumer is behaving and what they're doing and thinking about, can we leverage that data to better optimize a clinical trial? Like how are we bringing in the right people into clinical trials? And not just, you know, maybe not just from a, from a perspective of, oh, they seem to meet all the attributes, right? But it's also, are we being smart about 
health equity? Are we serving the general population? How do you even reach certain populations which are harder to reach than others, right? Because at the end of the day, if you've got a diverse population in your clinical trial, ultimately we think you'll have a more successful trial and you'll be more efficient in terms of bringing medicines to market that'll help consumer health, the general consumer health, not just pockets of maybe this area or this zip code, but more general zip codes. Mm. I love how you said earlier that your team doesn't just parachute in share the strategy and then kind of, okay, good luck and on the execution, but you're actually like aligning yourself with them and, and, it, and almost staying in the trenches, it seems like, bringing data and analytics, bringing these solutions to life. It seems like that in and of itself tells me that you take customer experience very seriously. And I'm curious on that note, just what have you done or have seen in order to transform the customer experience, double down on customer experience for ZSers, if that's a phrase for your customers? Yeah, I mean, for, for one, if, if I just sort of put my CMO hat on, right, I think about well, a few things, I guess, right? So the way we used to go to market, and again, as a consulting firm, it's really all about our perspectives and our point of views, right? So content and the stories that we bring to our clients and prospective clients, our points of view are very important, right? Because in, in a lot of ways, that's what clients are paying us for, our thinking and sort of our our approaches and our methodologies, right? You know, the way ZS has been organized is across a number of different industries and a number of different practices within those industries. And we've got teams that look after specific service lines and practices. And so over the years, we've sort of gone to market by individual practice area by practice area by practice area. When I first got involved with ZS and started understanding sort of our, our buying segments and our targets, because we have a fairly concentrated group of clients that we work with and the buying centers within those clients, we were short of, we were, we were sort of inundating them with a lot of different ideas that weren't well connected. And perhaps we didn't go as deep as we could with those ideas because we were, we perhaps, you know, wrote a three or four page white paper, put it up on our blog, on our website, and then moved on to the next topic. When I think about talking about customer experience with other ZSers here, I am always sort of like carrying the torch and believe me, everyone thinks about the customer experience. It's not like this is just, this is not just the role of me or my team, but I always think about how we're showing up in the market to our clients, mm. right? Do they know what we stand for? Are we being a little schizophrenic? Cause, cause, cause if you stand for everything, you don't stand for anything. We've started re-architecting our go to market and thinking about, what are those big ideas, maybe three or four big ideas a year that we want to really want to kind of go deep in and really have a deeper conversation and experience with our customers as opposed to sort of more of a spray and pray tactic? Hmm. Is this connected to the client strategy council? I saw there was something about you guys creating that. And I'm curious about the thinking behind that client strategy council and, and how do you kind of make this a success for everybody involved? Yeah, that's probably a good example, right? Because you know, the way we think about our marketing strategy and our go-to-market is from a long-term perspective. For example, there's a lot of marketing organizations where uh, if you can't show marketing's impact to the pipeline, if you can't show, hey, I generated this number of marketing qualified leads or whatever, whatever your firm might call them, that translate into sales accepted leads, that translate into close one deals or whatnot. Um, it's a different motion here at CS, right? So over the past couple of years, we've invested in what we call customer exchanges or executive exchanges. 
might be, you could call them probably versions of uh, advisory councils or whatnot. So what we've done in those areas, and we've done a couple in the R&D space with our clients, we're also looking at uh, things in the technology space with our clients, is that we convene forums and we build communities that are made up of our clients and their peers. And ZS sort of plays the facilitator role. And there's no selling going on. It's not like, hey, we're, we're trying to convene 10 to 11 executives that are responsible for R&D leadership or tech leadership at pharmaceutical companies or whatnot, because ultimately we want to show them a ZS PowerPoint deck and sell them a service. No, we want to bring these people together and build a community so that we can understand where their pain points are. And also they might be able to kind of get learnings, not just from ZSers, but even more so their peers, right? And so those are some examples of things that we've done in terms of creating executive exchanges that you know, at the end of the day, from a marketing perspective, it's a tactic or it's a play where you can get further insight on your customers and prospective customers, but you're doing it in such a way that it's valuable to them. They're building the agenda. Mm, I love it. It's like you're leading with not sales, like not, you know, not with, hey, we can help you with every, you know, here's all the things we can do. It's like you're leading with community. You're leading yeah. with reciprocity where it's like, you know, yeah. Hey, we get in here, we go, if we go shoulder to shoulder and we just work on solving the problem and sharing insights and, you know, building that relationship. Wow. Look, look what we have here, a massive opportunity to support them. I love that. Yeah. And it's not a one and done. I mean, when we're, when we're recruiting executives for these communities, we let them know that, Hey, we want, you know, we'll probably meet, you know, virtually, of course, it's always been virtually recently, but we'll, we'll get together three times a year, say, for example, and have uh, some sessions where, We'll get into a few topics and go deep, and then maybe those will continue in the next sessions or whatnot. But but the agenda and the topics are all built from their direct inputs. So they tell us what they want to talk about and what they're most interested in, and then we help with that. So you might think, I mean, a lot of a lot of marketing and communications organizations maybe wouldn't even play in that space because depending on their firm, they may be like, well, there's no tangible revenue being derived out of these communities. Like what? What are we going to sell them and when? But that, I think, is, is the wrong approach, right? Because it's, you need to have a sort of a longer-term mindset. It's uh, you know, marketing and, and communications, it's a marathon, not a sprint. If I'm building a, a team of all-star CMOs you know, and I'm looking for you know, CMOs that you know, have certain experience and perspective, I look at you and I see someone who has been in the role for multiple years that tells me a lot there, that you have an approach to marketing leadership and comms leadership that allows you to stay in a, in a seat and be a part of an organization that's huge, by the way, and growing. That tells me a lot. So, so you're, you're going to be one of my first picks. And I want to talk about this marriage between marketing and comms. And I'm seeing a lot more now, this tight integration happening in large organizations that they had kind of comms and marketing separate. Well, now you're seeing a lot more executives kind of coming down the pipeline like you who are overseeing both. And that's a lot of responsibility. Did you get into that seat already kind of being responsible for both? That's what you've been doing. And what's it been like kind of being responsible for both in 2022? Because that's a big responsibility, especially at ZS. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts there. And thank you for the kind words about, you know, I would be on your short list. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, but, but we'll, see, we'll see, right? So yeah, I think one of the reasons why I've played in the marketing and communication space for 20 odd, 20 odd years or so is 
particularly with B2B marketing, because all my career has been with B2B. I, so I can't really speak to direct to consumer or B2C, but I suspect it's similar there as well, right? But in the B2B space, marketing space, it's just changed so much. Um, I mean, access to data, different platforms and tools, the role of marketing in general. I really like where I've where I've been and where I'm going, starting with like field marketing and looking after portfolio marketing. And, and I've been a regional marketer out in the field. So I've had different types of roles. You know, where I am today, you're right. You know, when I first got here, the communications team was under HR. And I've seen this in different organizations. At a really large global firm I was at a few years back, the comms head of communications reported directly to the CEO. And the CMO uh, reported directly to the CEO. And they didn't necessarily get along. There was actually a bit of turf battle going on there. And I witnessed that firsthand. And I always thought, geez, you know, if we were one team or if we worked together, it, it would just be a lot more efficient and effective. And so, you know, when I got here at ZS, there was already thinking about reintegrating communications and marketing, right? And so, and I think that's worked out really well for us. I, um, you know, one of the first moves I made here was to bring in a, a really experienced, strong head of corporate communications that in some ways can be a bit of my wingman, right? Because I come from more of the traditional marketing or demand generation side of marketing, as opposed to uh, a corporate communications type role, right? So, but anyways, we've seen a lot of benefit in bringing the teams together in terms of our communications team does a lot of work with our recruiting team, and we've been doing a lot of work around our developing our employer brand and our people value proposition. As you do recruitment marketing, it's basically the same as sort of going after a prospect or a client. You're just kind of going after a recruit. And so how we do digital marketing and how we do social media marketing, that's all done within a center of excellence as part of one unified team. We're just going after different buying centers or different targets. How have you been able to stay in the seat? You know, you know as well as anyone that the CMO role is evolving and changing. It's one of the most interesting roles in the executive leadership team. I know I'm slightly biased because I talk to a lot of them, but as I as I interview other executives and other other parts of businesses, I mean the CMO role is so interesting to me. It's interesting to kind of see the evolution of the role changing and shifting every single year. It's like the focus is different. Yeah. The role looks different. Yet you've been able to stay in that seat, Andrew, for coming up on four years now. I think it's ZS, right? You'll be up at five soon. How have you been able to stay in the seat? What are some of these like table stakes for you that like, here are the things that I know have positioned me to continue to be here yeah. and to be successful in the role? How have you been able to do it so well? So yeah, a couple of things there, right? I, I do agree with you that the role of the the CMO, um, it you know, it's evolving. Oftentimes, CMOs report to different people, different executives. Those executives have a different perspective on what a CMO is or should be. You know, a lot of times, depending on the executive, it may be their first time really engaging with a with a CMO, and so they come in with perhaps different perspectives on, on what that. In fact, I was talking to somebody the other day, an industry analyst. I think they were they were giving me the ballpark of the the average tenure of a CMO these days is around three years mm -hmm. or, or shy of four or something like that. You know, don't quote me on that, but it, it was around that. So it is a bit challenging. And so I don't know what's what's helped me. I guess the thing that comes to mind, Jeremy, is that 
I've seen some marketing organizations and some marketers that are very insulated from the business and they kind of want to do what they may consider sexy or controversial or interesting marketing programs because, oh, you know, maybe that's something new and exciting or could be exhilarating or something they've always wanted to do. And of course, you know, marketing, I always think marketing and communication, that's a really fun sport to be in, right? And that's that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm still in this part of the industry. But at the end of the day, you've got to understand what the business goals and the, what the business strategy is, right? So, you know, what whether you're a small private firm or you know, big private firm or a large multinational publicly traded firm, you've got to understand and work with the C-suite to say, okay, what is the plan for next year, two years, three years? You know, where are we going? What are what are our growth vectors? That's what we talk about here at ZS a lot, right? You know, we've we've got a 10-year vision. And we've got a series of growth vectors that in order to fulfill the mission that we aim to fulfill, we're investing and we're driving across these growth vectors. And so everything that I do, you know, with my team, how we're structured, how we invest, we're always mindful of that. And I guess the other thing that comes to mind that's helped, that's helped is particularly here at ZS, we have a marketing steering committee, right? So on a quarterly basis, I sit down with our COO our industry leads, some key executives here, a handful of key executives at ZS. And we use the steering committee as a way to sort of align on sort of sometimes where we're going, where, where I want to take the team or where we're going to invest. And sometimes we'll talk about particular issues or speed bumps that we're facing. You know, that could be a particular industry segment or a particular go-to-market challenge or whatever that is. But I use that as kind of a formal way to check in and to stay aligned because obviously you need that. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I can imagine with an org that has, you know, 14,000 plus employees globally, you know, serving big industries, big, big brands, a lot of really smart people, both on your side and on the client side of things. And so navigating that is has got to be interesting for you as the leader, kind of ear to the ground internally, building trust and rapport with other stakeholders, but also being really relevant, right, in the markets that you're serving. And that seems like a really interesting juggle. Yeah, the, I mean, the other interesting that I've found in my career, and I kind of like it, maybe others, maybe others don't so much, but, you know, when you're in the marketing organization, at least for B2B firms, you know, a lot of times the business doesn't understand what the marketing function is or does, right? Or mm. what the communication, I say marketing, but marketing and comms, right? You know, so there's always a bit of an education or every, every time you're talking to an executive, whether it's me or my team, there's always a bit of an education. It, it, you know, we wouldn't necessarily c- come out straight and say, well, let me tell you exactly what we're doing and why we do it. But there's always an element of like, hey, help remind them sort of how we're going to market or, or why we're asking these questions or why we think we should pivot off this tactic and do something do something instead that might be more effective and efficient. So I've always found that to be to be interesting and a fun part of the job. What do you do now in terms of just building a high performance team? You know, over the years, you've you certainly learned, you know, how to hire yeah. people and build that team. But what do you look for in hiring leaders these days, just in hiring people in general? If you're hiring or interviewing or engaging with someone that could join the, the ZS family, what are some of the things that you look for and, and that you do when you're engaging with someone? Yeah. Yeah. When I'm looking to bring people on the team and, and hire and we've done a good amount of that at CS. I mean, since in my time here, we've uh, we've we've doubled the size of the of the marketing wow. and communications team. And part of that is because the company's been doing very well and growing as well. So we have to we have to uh, try and stay in front of the business a bit. 
which is a good problem to have. Yeah, I, 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 a couple of things come to mind, Jeremy. I think, you know, one is I like marketers that have spent some time either working directly or supporting business stakeholders, right? Mm. So they've, they've almost had a bit of a consulting type role somewhere in their career, right? Now, some people may have done that just a little bit, and then they've, they've migrated into a, a type of marketing where maybe they're running a center of excellence, like they're the digital marketing center of excellence or something like that. You know, so there's, there's different aspects of this, but I, I like people that have a bit on their resume where they've worked directly with the business. They've had to have a bit of a consultative type approach in working with the business and partnering in the business and managing stakeholders. Cause that's a big thing that we do in B2B, right? Is, is managing internal stakeholders. I think it's also about having and it's hard, maybe hard to get this on a resume. Maybe it's more of an interview, but having a mindset of customer experience, right? I mean, you know, we, one of the things that marketing and communications teams do is we connect the dots across the organization so we can have a understanding of what the customer experience might be uh, or, or could be. So that comes to mind. Um, and then I think ultimately, I think this is probably table stakes, but, you know, people that are, are curious, that, uh, that want to learn, Maybe they want to kind of learn a different industry, or maybe they've done this type of work in the past, but they want to pivot a little bit and kind of dive deeper in there. I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. That's good. If I could pull on a thread, curiosity is one thing that really comes through a lot of times where you ask someone like how they get to where they are and they'll say, I listened and I was really curious. Yeah. You hear things like that, like, wow, the, you know, these are words that we hear a lot of, but then if you kind of think like, Again, an individual like yourself or others who to navigate, you know, the the often really interesting world of corporate America, to be a good listener, to be really curious. If you really go into those two areas, I mean, that can that you can end up where you are, right? Where you're truly at the helm supporting massive impact. So I love that you brought yeah. curiosity up. That's huge. The success that that we've had here at CS and and, and, and on my team. You know, in some ways, I get to be the mouthpiece and I get to, you know, have some of the conversations with people like yourself and, and other executives inside ZS. Fundamentally, it's the team. Yeah, I'm not going to be successful if my team isn't. And so I think I've always been very comfortable and I want to bring people on board that are smarter than I am or have had different experience and have had different experience than I have or more successful or wh whatever that is. It's like, I think that's a healthy thing, right? And then bring those people on the team. And kind of like stay out of their way and let them do good work. The way I sort of think about running my team is that I, I want everyone to kind of know where we're going, what the game plan is. Yeah, hey, then it's up to them to be, you know, they're, they're the ones on the field running the place. And so let's try to stay out of their way and, uh, and help, you know, if, if speed bumps come up, I'll help them smooth them over. But they're fully capable of doing the work. Love it. Are you looking at certain data points weekly, monthly? If so, what are the kind of more important ones that you pay attention to in your role? We've got a KPI dashboard that we pay a lot of attention to and interest in, uh, and we've developed and refined over the over the years. And I report that to executive leadership in an executive summary type fashion quarterly. So internally, as an example, we have some metrics that we measure and we pay attention to just us marketing communications people, as an example. You know, we've got a target where the content that we create, we want a good percentage of that content to be lined up to a campaign, to a big idea, as opposed to something that's somewhat tactical and ad hoc, right? 
So we'll measure that sort of internally because that's a transformational initiative that we're driving in the team. Then there are other KPIs that we're looking at that maybe the business would be interested in as well, as well as the marketing folks, right? So as an example, we, we've we completely overhauled our sort of email newsletters or our subscription center. We relaunched our website shortly after I got here, which was a huge initiative. But part of that was we created a subscription center so our clients and our prospective clients can opt in for our content as opposed to us just sort of pushing it. So we look at the growth of our subscriber base year on year, quarter on quarter. So if, for example, if, in fact, I was just talking to our CEO about this, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've doubled our subscription base year on year, wow. right? which is huge. Huge. Right? And that's not to say that every one of our subscribers or a high number of our subscribers is going to eventually buy a service from us or, or make us money. But, you know, the more people that are absorbing and reading our content, the more they have to share that, et cetera, et cetera. So you have some pretty large competitors, right, in this space. So you could say it's pretty fiercely competitive. From my research, it looks like ZS ranks number one in customer net promoter score versus some very big competitors that I won't mention. You can Google them later. But there's some big, there's some big players in the space. And I love that ZS is right there on top of like, when I see number one net promoter score, that tells me a lot about what you're saying about your relationships with your customers. But my question is, how much time are you spending looking at them? How much time do you spend? I mean, all of these global companies have a lot of data, a lot of insights, yet they're not ZS, you know? And so I just wonder how, how much time do you spend looking at those other folks and what they're doing and their approach to the market versus doing what you're doing now, which is working really well? I'm just curious personally if you spend much time looking at those other brands and what they're up to. Yeah, I mean, this, this, it's a good question. You know, and part of this also goes back to your, I think your question earlier when we were talking about the role of marketing communications and how the role of the CMO and that team differs by, you know, by company sometimes, right? And so there are some organizations and some CMOs that dive deep and they really own, say, competitive intelligence and they're owning sort of, Hey, here's some white space here. We think we should go attack this. Well, you know, those sorts of things. My team and, and the way the, the way we've designed the function here, we don't get into that all that much. Most of that intel comes from the ZSers that are working with our clients. They're embedded in working with our clients. And so we generally have a pretty good read on sort of where the market's going, what our clients need. Now, that being said, you know, we have done some efforts over the past couple of years. We've done some pilot programs where piloting some work I guess I would put it in the key account management category, right? We're looking at a handful of our key accounts and doing some analysis on them so that we don't have any blind spots, right? So that we're not necessarily just relying on the embedded client team to feedback stuff to us, but maybe there's other ways to get at how are the clients truly thinking about us? We've done some work recently that I think has been really good. Again, that's another program that that I and my team sort of led and brought to ZS and saying, hey, let's do this. It's all in the interest of saying, hey, how can we be a better firm? How can we work with our clients better? And so if you, when you position it that way, it's almost a bit of a no-brainer. That's awesome. I was going to ask you about kind of C-level initiatives, and it sounds like that's one that you're engaging in. I want to ask you about just your thoughts around just kind of R&D and marketing, experimenting and marketing, and how much time 
or if you have any folks dedicated to kind of thinking more in the future around engaging with the market, around supporting customers and new customers? Is there much thought going into like trying new things and experimenting? Yeah, there is. I mean, I think that's that's always the approach that I've taken is if I'm trying to you know, sell a program or sell an idea into the organization, I always think about it as a pilot. Hey, let's take a small step. This is sort of what we're going to do. You know, the example I just gave you was with three accounts. We did something a couple of years ago around account-based marketing, which we'd never done here before. We looked at a handful of accounts. Now we're, now we're, we're growing that program. But it's always, hey, let's try it. Let's test it. Let's pilot it. That's always been my approach, and it's and it's worked well, right? What I tell my team, what I honestly believe is that with B2B marketing and communications, there's never a silver bullet. It's a game of constant refinement and, and improvement. Even something like we look at our social media programs, right, or, or organic social on LinkedIn as an example. Okay, what posts are working? Well, which ones aren't? So we adjust the length of the, the headline. We look at short videos or shorter videos. We look at three or four tiles that can rotate. And so we're seeing what works and what doesn't work. And that's just an example of things we're experimenting with. Mm, I love it. Okay. Last question. And I want you to just think about when you faced a crucial moment, right? In your career, something that was like a make or break scenario. Maybe you were a marketing leader, maybe you weren't, but something that was a big moment for you. And I'd love just you to tell that story and kind of unpack like what happened, what'd you learn? Any takeaways from that experience? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would call this a make or break experience, but but it was sort of, uh, it comes to mind with your question. So when I was with it, a very large, primarily Indian-based global uh, IT services firm, massive, massive firm, I was fairly new to the organization and I was responsible for marketing costs for the North America market, which is one of their, one of their biggest markets. And we were at an offsite a marketing executive retreat in India. You know, I was a field, I guess, a regional marketer, and the product marketing organization was based in India. And the product marketers all supported the service lines and the industries, and they were sort of responsible for thought leadership and content. And so, as part of this marketing retreat, our CMO asked every product marketer and every regional marketer to present their plans and what they were doing. And every product marketer got up and talked about, I'm going to create. 15 white papers or 10 case studies. And it was just a laundry list of stuff. And my presentation was the next day. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this is never going to work. First off, we're never going to be able to create all this stuff. It's just quantity, quantity, quantity. So I went back and I did the math on all these presentations. And I, and I, and I showed up the next day and I just put like a number on the, on, on the PowerPoint, 489. And I asked, and I asked the group, like, you know, what does this number mean? What, where, did I, where did I get this number? And they're like, I don't know. That's all of the white papers that we're going to create in 20, you know, whatever the year was, 2012 or something like that. And I put up another number, 225. What's that? Oh, those are all the events that people want to sponsor or support. So, so there has to be like, you know, what I realized is, and that went over quite well, the CMO sort of like raised his eyebrows and like, yeah, I sort of see what you're saying is like, because the ethos at that time at the firm was more, 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 more is good, 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 good. But what you end up doing is just a lot of busy work that doesn't move the needle. Ah, that's good. Awesome. I'm sure you've had many moments like that in your career, Andrew. Thank you so much for being a part of Marketing Trends. This was one I was looking forward to, but thank you, sir. We appreciate having you and, and best of luck to you and the whole team at ZS. Thanks, Jeremy. Great to be with you today. 
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.